I'm Tim Gombas, and this is Faith Improvised. It's a podcast where I can think out loud and talk with friends about things that interest me. Books, films, sports, music, culture, politics, the wonders and complexities of being Christian in this world, and my academic discipline, biblical studies. You're welcome to email me if you like at faithimprovised at gmail.com. In this episode, I give some updates about what I've been up to over the last month or so, and Steve and I talk about football and our adventures in public education. So I'm standing here in my study looking out on a frigid scene. we got this Arctic blast going on. It's cold out here in Louisville, Kentucky. I just um, took a walk this morning, took a long walk, about eight miles. And before I left, I looked at the temperature and it was eight degrees. It was cold, very, very cold. Uh, So I had loads of layers, had my ski gear on and uh, was totally fine. But man, it is cold, cold cold, cold. I have, uh, I grew up in Chicago, spent 12 years in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So I'm used to the frigid temperatures in the winter, but still every, I'm, I, I'm getting old. Every time it, it hits, it's just like, I'm, I don't like this. I really don't like this. So hopefully, uh, the cold season will last, uh, not as long as I've been used to in the past here in Louisville, Kentucky. And I'd be grateful if that were so. So I ended up taking about a month off over the last month or so. Didn't plan on that. Um, I thought I would say something at some point about my schedule at the end of December and uh, early January, but I never did. And uh, sorry about that. Now I'm back to it. And uh, life's picking up again. Um, I have had a blast over the last month or so. Um, Spent Christmas in Phoenix with uh, my three kids. My daughter Maddie lives in Phoenix, and so we decided to gather together there, and my boys flew down from Washington State, and we were there for a week enjoying sunshine, warm weather, hikes in the desert, uh, great conversation, games at night, loads of good food, had just absolutely the best time with my favorite people in the world, Uh, came back uh, to town, drove up to Chicago through... uh, the great state of Indiana, and um, had a couple of days with my a bunch of my sisters and nieces and nephews, and saw my uh, my parents. And as always, that was just a fantastic time. Loads of laughs, um, just loved it. Spent New Year's with uh, my friends Don and Becky in Ohio, and watched a ton of football. Hung out with their friends, and that was just you know the best time as always. Um, in fact, this last weekend. Don and Becky and a handful of their friends came down here to spend the weekend in Louisville uh, for Don's birthday, which is today, uh, January 15th. So happy birthday, Don. And uh, had such a fun time. Took a bunch of uh, tours of bourbon distilleries. Took a tour of the Louisville Slugger Museum, the Muhammad Ali Museum, and um, just had the best time. Loads of good food once again. My friendships and my life is oriented around uh, delightful food. That's just, that's me. Speaking of which, I've just been texting uh, with someone I'm getting to know here in town, um, a fellow named Joe, uh, texted about getting together this week for an Indian dinner. He's uh, an older gentleman, very interesting guy, uh, spent um, six months in India, and so... 
he just loves Indian food. And I was like, dude, we're, we're going to be friends. So we're heading out this week to grab um, dinner somewhere here in town. He knows the great spots better than I do to this point, but it won't be very long before I know the lay of the land, Indian food-wise. Speaking of which, uh, about two weeks ago, um, got together with Mike Erie. He's down in Nashville. I'm up here in Louisville. We're about three hours apart. And so we met halfway in Bowling Green. And Steve was telling me about this incredible Indian restaurant in Bowling Green called India Oven. So Mike and I uh, decided to check it out and met there for a, a good long lunch just after New Year's and had a rich conversation, amazing food. It was so good. Um, really grateful for Mike's friendship. And that was a fantastic time. 2024 is shaping up to be a lot of fun for me. I've got some really fun trips planned. Um, a couple of trips to see my kids back to Phoenix to see Maddie. Steve's coming with me on that trip. I'm going to see the boys in Washington state in April. Um, yeah, early in the year is when you want to be traveling if you live in the Midwest and especially hopefully traveling to warmer places. Um, I'll be out in Los Angeles a bunch in the LA area, Southern California. Um, I'm going to be partnering with the wonderful folks at Vox OC, and we're going to be studying Luke this year. So I am just, I am so excited about this. Uh, we're going to take the next year to study Luke. We're meeting the end of January to, to um, discuss the book, The Lost Letters of Pergamum, which I've mentioned a bunch of times on this podcast in the past. That's a fictional work uh, written by Bruce Longnecker, uh, consisting of letters between the biblical author Luke and a Roman nobleman named Antipas. And it's just it is one of the best ways that I know to sort of get your imagination into the the first century world and its social values and its uh, all of the relational dynamics and you know how people sort of saw the world and saw each other and saw themselves and felt about daily existence and what it meant to be Christian and what it meant to hear biblical texts like Luke read aloud and how that would have sort of sounded in their culture. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to discuss that book uh, later this month with um, the great people of Vox OC. And then uh, starting in February, we're going to start studying Luke. And um, I'm that's one thing about my 2024 that has just got me really turned on and really excited, mostly, you know, for what I'm going to learn about Luke. I may have said this before on this podcast, but um, in my seminary education, um, the Gospels, my education in the Gospels while I was in seminary was just pathetic. Uh, this was back in the 90s, and everything that you know we learned when we studied the Gospels was all focused on sort of like proving that it happened. It was all apologetic-oriented, um, sort of proving the historicity of this episode or that episode. And I just didn't care about any of that. It made the gospel so boring to me. Um, but then about 20 years ago, a little over 20 years ago, I learned about, started studying about narrative criticism and got into uh, a narrative approach to st studying the gospels, which is appropriate since they are, in fact, narratives, and completely changed my conception of the gospels. And 
uh, over the last uh, 15 years or so, I've loved studying Mark and have really gotten to know that gospel well. And now I'm looking forward to jumping into Luke and um, maybe down the road after that, the book of Acts. Um, I just really, I get, I get turned on about New Testament texts when, um, when I have an opportunity to study them uh, in ways that are appropriate to how they're produced, how they've been produced, and, and Old Testament texts. Taking a narrative approach to narratives in the Old Testament um, and poetic approaches to poetry in the Old Testament, Scripture is a real blast to engage um, when you do it with your eyes open. I've come to see, and I was not trained that uh, in that way when I was in seminary, and so I've had to sort of um, continue my education on my own and with good friends and making use of great resources, which are out there. So this um, adventure that uh, I'll be on in partnership with uh, Vox OC is, um, is in many ways sort of a selfish enterprise for me. And um, what I love is engaging in study of a biblical text along with other vigorous, excited students of, of scripture, which the people at Vox OC are all about. Um, and when we can sort of get some good discussion going, I benefit a ton from that. And I, and I know that everybody else will as well. So as I look forward to my 2024, um, I'm excited about continuing this podcast. I'm excited about uh, some of the travel that I've got coming up. Uh, I'll be teaching a couple courses this uh, this year for Fuller Theological Seminary and um, doing this project with Vox. These are all things that have me really excited. Um, Steve and I are going to talk about in this episode um, our journeys and our, our adventures <clears throat> Excuse me, in public education. For the time being, for the next several months, probably, I'm going to be substitute teaching in the Jefferson County Public Schools uh, I have not found full-time work here in Louisville just yet. I'm chasing down a couple of promising leads. Uh, but in the meantime, um, I'm subbing. And it's it's been uh, it's been interesting. It's been partly fun, partly challenging, um, and just an interesting adventure. For the next three weeks, I'm going to be the substitute gym teacher at Chansey Elementary because the uh, Mr. Oldham, uh, they just, the Oldham family just added another child to their family. Congratulations, Oldhams. And um, because of that, I'll be Mr. P.E. the next three weeks. We'll see how that goes. Anyway, Steve and I reflect a little bit on that. Uh, he had a longer journey in public education than I have had, and hopefully than I will have had. Uh, and we talk talk about some of that and uh, the endurance needed and the lessons that we learned in the process. Enjoy. Yeah, there's some fantastic football this weekend. I don't know if uh, did, did the I, I think that the wild card rules have changed. But I don't know what the I don't know what the deal is with them. Yeah, you say Baltimore is the only team that's not a wild card. I think that's the case because I looked at all of the other records in AFC and NFC, and the top the top categories are all playing in wild card. 
it, it, so Baltimore weird. was the only one I could find because they had the best record in the NFL. Yeah. That's why they just threw away the last game and didn't start Lamar because they knew they were going to the playoffs. Yeah. But I, I don't think that was the case for any other team. And it, like all of the other high-ranking teams, like first place in all the different uh, divisions. divisions were, yeah, we're, uh, we're, they're playing. Yeah. So there's not a, nobody gets a buy. Uh, well, the the Ravens is that's all I saw. They're not playing this week. Yeah, they're not playing. Okay, all right. So, so a, it, oh, but is it? But it's been a crazy year because it's been so close. Like, yeah. there's there haven't been like dominant records in all of these different divisions. No, so, there's no standout team. Everybody's just like yeah, I mean, decent or just horrible. Yeah, I mean Cleveland and Pittsburgh are both playing wild card games. In the AFC North, which Baltimore is lead, leading, and then, yeah, it's just crazy. It's just a crazy year. Yeah. No, no, no dominant teams, and really no, I mean, dominant quarterbacks other than the usual Jackson, Mahomes. You know, Allen's yeah. having a kind of iffy year, and, and yeah, there's, it's just kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird era, especially coming out of like the Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew yeah. Brees, you know, era where there was just dominant teams yeah. dominant quarterbacks this is just very different right. you know it's just, very different it's odd there's no like great right players no great teams i don't know and it's just weird i mean obviously yesterday with bill belichick um and pete carroll both uh yeah <laughs> leaving their teams it's just it's a turning of the page in a sense yeah kind of but yeah it's it's really wild yeah i i don't know what uh yeah, I got to think about my plan. I just looked at that schedule that, you know, Don and Becky are coming to town this weekend. So I don't know what, I don't know how much, I don't know if they're planning to watch the the Steelers game or, or even when it is, but whatever. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, I forgot if it's tomorrow or Sunday. I don't know. I, there's so many that I can't keep track of them all, but it's going to be a fun. Yeah. The next few weekends are going to be a, a lot of fun. We're going to see oh, yeah. who rises to the surface. Yep. It'll be interesting. And there's a lot. Of, it's it it could be very interesting because, like you say, there's not not a super dominant team, so it, anybody has a shot. I mean, yeah. if you're in the playoffs, you can easily beat anybody else in the playoffs. Yeah, so might make yeah. for a really exciting uh, postseason. Yeah, it's so unpredictable. It almost feels like the baseball postseason, where <laughs> you know sometimes wild card teams go deep because the dynamics of baseball playoffs are so different than the dynamics of like mm -hmm. the regular season of baseball. I mean, football is right. different because it's, you know, every week is one big game, but, um, but this postseason, it's just like a complete crapshoot. And who knows yeah. like which, you know, Lamar Jackson is going to show up. Like he's, he's not, yeah. Doesn't have the best, you know, track record in the playoffs. So yeah, you know, he has, he doesn't have a good track record at all in the playoffs. Yeah. We'll Great see. in the regular season, but well, well, it'll be interesting. You know, what would be interesting is if um, Cleveland ended up playing Baltimore because, um, for now anyway, Joe Flacco is the quarterback. Yeah, of Cleveland, former, which is just really interesting. Yeah, he's Super doing Bowl. pretty good right now. He's kind yeah. of on a roll. Yeah, former Ravens quarterback. Yep, he's yeah. cool with the old guys. You know, old yeah. man gives us hope. <laughs> Yeah, I'm grasping at hope. Man, uh I just was look I just got this note that um 
they're they're doing a building inspection, fire fire safety inspection. So uh, if there's a knock on the door and some people come walking through the hallway here, I'm just gonna keep recording. I'll just wave at them, tell them to look yeah. around, whatever. <laughs> Timing will be impeccable. I'm sure. Yeah, it w- I was thinking it'll it'll they'll they'll come by, you know, when I'm in the shower, or yeah. um, <laughs> you know, whatever when we're recording. That's how things work out. Exactly. That's how Hashem works things out for me. <laughs> In mysterious ways. Yeah, always. Yeah, uh, man, I just was thinking about, I took, I I mean, as you know, I took today off from yeah. subbing. I've been substitute teaching the last month or so. <laughs> and um, man, it is, it is, it has, it has been exhausting. So <laughs> I've, uh, yeah, it's just such a shock to my system you know, to be in that kind of an environment. Uh, it's not, I understand very well how to like, um, you know, control a classroom when it's college students. I understand very well what it means to control classroom and, you know, to orient myself in a classroom when it comes to adult learners. Um, and I understand, you know, the dynamics of just dealing with my own social anxiety in those settings and how to make a class progress and blah, 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 all that stuff. But man, elementary students are a completely different world. And I, it is like my whole system is being rewired and challenged and all of that. I think I'm getting the hang of it like in the last couple of days. But oh my goodness. Yeah. It is a shock to the system. Yeah, I know it. It is wild. I know it too well. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's just the craziest thing. It's so unpredictable and nutso. Uh, but one of the things... I was telling you and Allison last night about how, how diverse the student yeah. population is. And, and a lot of um, the staff as well is pretty diverse. Uh, but it's it's been really interesting to notice. Um, and I just wonder if you noticed this because you were in, since, you know, in an urban context in Cincinnati, um, you know, years ago. But um, thinking about the dynamics of race, like I, uh, Ijoma Aluo wrote in her, I think it was in her book, So You Want to Talk About Race. And um, she has this discussion of, uh, which talks about black boys um, and the, uh, the school, the school to prison pipeline for black boys, you know, and how like um, the ideology, you know, part of the, the ideology of whiteness and a racialized culture is anti-blackness. You know, and so black men are dangerous. Blackness is dangerous, but black men are a threat, um, and that sort of thing in a in a corrupt, racialized culture. And I just was thinking about how that is the case. I, I've just been trying to notice it, you know, um, in this elementary, you know, K through five context. And um, I I kind of want to sit down with some of the teachers and administrators and the, the principal and vice principal and just kind of probe them a little bit as far as like what do they notice as far as like um how much patience teachers have with like white boys versus black boys or like with white girls versus black girls or like what is like um because i've seen some defiant um and disruptive uh white boys and white girls and then some defiant and disruptive black boys and black girls and um i don't know it's just it's just very interesting I don't know. Did you ever notice those kind of dynamics or see what, you know, in one sense, it's like, okay, I understand privilege at at an individual level. I understand. And I've noticed 
people who are underprivileged in an individualistic way, but like I'm, I'm learning more to see systems and how they affect yeah. individuals. Yeah. I don't know. Did you ever see those kind of things? I mean, I remember you working with, you know, little Barzell. Yeah. Um, that was a special case. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, for starters, you know, for, let's see, from 2002 up to 2005, 2002 to 2006, I was at, um, in Northern Kentucky at a predominantly white, I don't think we had. Oh yeah, maybe, that's right. Maybe four or five black students in the whole school. Yeah. So that was a suburban white, more, uh, upper middle, middle class, uh, middle class. I wouldn't say upper middle. Um, so I didn't really have the chance to sure. look at that through that lens, but yeah, when I got to St. Bernard Elmwood place, school in in inner Cincinnati, inner city Cincinnati, um, there were both dynamics going on because the Elmwood place students tended to be more white, mm-hmm. although there, there was a mixture of white and black. And then the, no, no, sorry. St. Bernard tended to be more white with a little bit of mixture. And then Elmwood was, was more black, but it, it didn't really matter. There were a lot more black students, like half and half. Um, and one, one of the things I, I mean, I haven't really thought about that much until you just popped it on me. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Surprise. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Thanks. Uh, no. Um, one thing I, I, I picked up on that um, w- was uh, I don't, I, of note to me and just how I dealt with situations was that it tended to be, and, you know, these are generalizations always, but, um, you know, I think in, in the culture, and you know when i say black culture that that's a wide swath right there sure but but in the in the demographic i saw which was pretty inner city um there was a lot more um emotion and and kind of like bodily sure expression yeah by on the in the black culture where white whites tended to be more you know reserved and you know, and I think that comes from home. I think that comes from the white culture in general. Sure. Um, where there was a lot more expression, you know, bodily expression. And yeah. I, at first I taught that as, oh, whoa, you know, that's way. But I re- then I, I, as I got to know it, I got to say, oh, that's just the way they express themselves. It's not threatening. But we might think it, it's threatening because yeah. – you know, we're we're taught to sit at the table and mind our manners and, you know, don't go waving our arms around or whatever, you know, whatever the expression might be. So that was one thing that I saw that I had to learn that, oh, if a student was really like being expressive, oh, overly, what I would think would be overly expressive. It wasn't necessarily the case in their culture. They were just saying, this is, this is how I feel. Um, you know, yeah, that's Barzell. <laughs> There's a funny story about Barzell. He um, he was a, a student. Uh, he was a first grader. So I mean, first graders are first graders. Yeah. And uh, I was working with him um, there in, in the classroom, and he uh, his teacher gave him a worksheet to do, and he 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 struggled with reading. He was he had some developmental delays in reading, and I was helping him catch up, and he caught up actually, uh, which yeah. was amazing. Cool. I, was, I really love that. Um, but at the point where he hadn't caught up, he, his his reading comprehension was very low, and um, he had he had 
totally messed up this worksheet <laughs> that I mean, it's totally messed it up. I mean, cause he didn't comprehend what the instructions were. So not, wasn't really his fault, but I had gotten there and right as I got to the table to his desk. Um, and then he has, he had a teacher who was pretty strict and she was a great teacher, but she was like, no, this total yeah, line. No in her nonsense. Classroom. Yeah. No nonsense. And, um, and, and she, she got there right as I was getting to his desk and, uh, she goes, oh, Barzell, you did that all wrong. Here's another sheet. You're going to have to do it over, and Mr. Watkins can help you. And he was just – he put his, he put his heart and soul in it. <laughs> totally. He was just crushed. And he, he just goes, oh, man, that's some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and we – I mean, we – I, I couldn't hold it back. Man. Was I was awesome. I was covering my mouth laughing. Yeah. And Miss Swanson was cracking. She couldn't hold it back either. That because that's so what great. that's what he would hear at home. Totally. So he, he's just expressing himself. Yeah. But he's not he's not trying to be he was he was actually a very loving sure. student. I mean, I loved yeah. him. I wanted to bring him home with me. I, he he had a rough family situation, but it, Oh, totally. Yeah, but I I just learned a man just back up and realize a lot of this this kind of cultural stuff is coming from a place I can't even begin to relate to from where yeah. I came from, you know given where I came from. Yeah, yeah, totally. As far yeah, yeah, I I get what you're saying. Um, and it's been interesting to see that like there's certain kinds of certain expressions are not necessarily like quote unquote disobedience or whatever, right? You know, like, yeah, especially about like, yeah, like kindergartens, first graders. I mean, like I was saying last night, it's like the the thing I hate about being in the music room, which isn't all bad, but like these little kids are just so full of energy and, you know, coming off of recess or out of lunch or whatever, they just want to go they're, they just want to go wild and have some fun and like to tell them, be quiet, be quiet, sit down, sit still, you know, don't play those instruments or whatever, you know, wait your turn. It's just like, oh, it's just a down, it's a bummer. Yeah. Because you know, they're all wired to be fidgety. And, you know, um, I mean, at the end of a long day, and like you said, the situations that they're, that many of them are coming from. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of their reactions and responses and behaviors are, are for them. It's what they know. Right. You know, and it's all they know. Yeah. They're coming from homes where there are no rules. Yeah. And then they're told, all right, you put it in another gear and start, you know, and that's very hard. You know, it's oh, very totally. hard. It's, I, it, it break, it kind of breaks my heart. Well, it does break my heart when I, when I saw so many kids struggle. And I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's one of, I don't know, one piece to why the, the pipeline to, you know, a, a a bad trajectory for a lot of them. They're just like, well, screw this. I clearly, this yeah. isn't my calling, you know, the yeah. educational pipeline isn't my calling. So I'll go look for, look for other, you know, yeah. alternatives. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, our, our education system is really kind of jacked up. Oh, I, I really, in so many ways, I don't think it really, <laughs> I mean, we, we've talked about careers too. And, but, you know, it doesn't really do a good job, like trying to really get into who you are and what no. are your talents and not the what, point. Are, what makes you shine. No, not at all. Just pass this test and what totally. are our scores on the state? You know, you know, all the, it was all about testing when I taught. Yeah. And I'm sure it still is testing, testing, testing. We got to, you know, 
and it's like, man, we're just, and you know, one of the teachers told me one time, I and mean, he had been teaching a lot longer than I had. I taught for eight years in the public schools. And he, he said, um, he said, he, we were in a meeting and he, he, he was one of those funny guys who would just like pop off and he was very cynical because yeah. he'd been there a long time. And, but he was funny and really smart. Uh, Barry was his name. And mm-hmm. I just, uh, he said, because uh, we were talking about, we had this big whole, what do you call them? After school training where all the yeah. teachers get together. It was an in-service, some, you know, and it was all about how do we improve our testing scores? And he, he just finally said, he just looked at me and he goes, testing scores. He goes, you want to know how the testing scores work? Just look at the demographics of the where the school is located and yeah. that will be your breakdown of testing scores doesn't matter what we do we could do cartwheels and three ring circuses we're not gonna you know because the homes that the homes they're coming from are yeah. going to be the biggest factor as to how I mean, you're gonna have some exceptions along the way but and i was like man it's so frustrating because yeah we're, we're working in a system that's just well it's just like linear well here's yeah. how we do it it didn't take any kind of complexity into no into the mix. No, it's the system. The system is the end. Yeah, you know. Right. And I just was. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about. I was telling you about the principal of this school and the vice principal, and it's like mm-hmm. their motivations are to get funding or to you know whatever. Right. And it's like the principal of this school um, is actually she's just a tremendously competent, but also really compassionate person, and just loves these kids. It's incredible. Yeah. And um but the system is not wired to uh you know to foster the flourishing of the community that you know and the communities that that the school that uh, represents and it's not wired it's not oriented to foster the flourishing of these kids. Yeah. Um you know it's it's there's a conformist kind of dynamic and however these kids are wired. I mean you were talking before about that Montessori yeah. experience. Yeah. I mean it's like the you know that that's a very different kind of a dynamic. Like I was thinking about this kid, Dominic, uh, first grader. And, um, I've been there a month and he's had to, they've had to switch his classroom because he, I mean, he's just really problematic and who knows what his home life is like. Um, but he's, he's really defiant Mm -hmm. and he is, he's the most defiant kid that I've seen in the school. And in fact, this is crazy. I was walking out of the school Thursday, walked out of the teacher's room and was walking back to my room right before I left. And he was walking down the hallway by himself about 30 yards behind me. And uh, I, he was talking to himself and he goes, he goes, um, I'm not, I'm not going to do what they tell me. You say yes. I say no. Like he just was talking to himself. There was nobody yeah. else with him. Yeah. I was like, man, this kid has just got so much anger inside him, and he's just so defiant. And when he comes into the music room, I mean, right away, he just starts running around, uh, knocking stuff over, climbing on things. And it's like pretty much every time he's been in there, I've had to call the office yeah. to have him taken out. And he's always in the vice principal's office. But yeah. I noticed the last time he came into the music room, they also brought in um, – you're like a special needs kid. And and I don't know, yeah. I, I don't know the language these days. I think, I think it's called exceptional child. Um, yeah. but this, this kid, uh, has to have, um, uh, you know, specialist with, with him. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I noticed this kid, Dominic, 
was so locked in on this kid. He was like, he would, uh, the kid would drop something. He would pick it up. He would, he was kind of whispering questions to him. Like, do you want to do this? Like, and he was, he was like playing with a toy with him, keeping him kind of like entertained. But you could even see like Dominic's eyes soften toward this kid. Like he, he was so engaged. And I was thinking like, if there was a, if, if, if the system wasn't the end, but like the end was Dominic, you know, and all these other kids, if they were the point and their flourishing was the point, like, wouldn't you come up with some way to like integrate Dominic into uh, the exceptional child kind of program and have him be like a partner partner with a teacher because he's just, it turns him on. Yeah. There's something in him that is like, he just wants to care for another kid, another human. It kind of pulls him out of himself, you know? But yeah. that's not, I mean, that's the point exactly is conformity. Right. No, it, you know, I was in a unique situation. My first, well, my first year, I, well, I saw, I was sub, I started out subbing like you were doing and they sent me to a school where the, um, I didn't know where I was going. It was in Boone County, Kentucky. And I just showed up yeah. and I'm like, my first job. I mean, yeah. serious. Oh no, no. Maybe, maybe my second, actually second. I went to an elementary school across the county and this was my second or third job Mm -hmm. and i I showed up and and i was there and they i said um well i'm here and we just hit a phone program thing and they said okay go to this school be there at this time so i walk in i'm like well i'm the sub for somebody i don't know who (laughs) and and they're like oh yeah you're filling in for so-and-so who is a special ed assistant he like one of those people who works with, you know, designated uh, students who need, need extra help. I'm like, okay, great. And so they go, just go to this room at this hour and go to this room at this hour and do what the teacher wants you to do. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, fine. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm just sitting around and this, this kid named Danny freaks out and he does this every day. He's throwing books at the teacher. I mean, mm. and we're talking a uh, third grader, I think. Yeah second or third grader and um he was off the chain i mean you, mm-hmm. he was just losing it man he could not keep it together so the principal called me from that room and he said hey i got a kid in my office that i need you to just work with him because he's just just sit with him so he doesn't freak out yeah. because he can't be in the classroom he just yeah <laughs> nothing's gonna happen yeah. yeah i was like all right should what room do you want me to go to and he goes just here go to this room because nobody's in there and i'm like okay well you got any curriculum he goes just keep him under control wow. <laughs> yeah it's like just I, all i want to do is get through the day yeah and so i got to know him like i realized i could pretty much if, if i was with him i could go anywhere around in the school yeah i said danny what do you like to do man he goes he's got this growling look yeah. on his face like i want to punch something is what yeah. i want to do i'm like you like you like to play ball and he goes I like to throw the ball whenever I see my dad, like mm. once in a blue moon is what oh, I interpreted wow. that meant. I was like, mm. I go, let's, let's walk down to the gym and just, sometimes that can make you relax and loosen up a little bit, just throwing the ball around. And sure enough, I get, I get a, you know, it was like a, it was a softball and we didn't even have any gloves, but I was just like, oh, let's just throw the softball. Just not too hard, but yeah. let's just talk <laughs> back and forth. <laughs> well, um, so he, he did, and he just, he loved it. He just lightened up. 
he just loved he 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 loved like focusing on it and catching it and when he miss it he ah dang but he'd be smiling and he'd run around and get it yeah so the next time the the next anyway by the end of the day he had he had totally transformed I said we can't do this all day let's go to lunch let's go yeah. back to that run room and i mean i'll read you a story how about that and he goes okay can i pick it out i'm like sure i don't care and uh read him a story and he's just sitting there and just i, I gave him some respect and some dignity and some mm-hmm. it's like hey hey man you you're good i said you've got a good arm and he yeah. did. He had a phenomenal arm. Yeah. So the next day I came back and I, I bought, well, I got my baseball glove and I went to like Walmart and bought a softball glove. Yeah. And I was like, let's, let's actually now catch him with gloves. Cause I, I thought I'm probably going to see this kid again. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> yes. so, lo and behold, the, uh, Mr. Thompson was his name. I can't remember his first name, but the principal said, Hey, would you like to just stay here for the rest of the year and work with our special ed team? Because mm-hmm. he goes, I've never seen anybody work with Danny like that and bring mm-hmm. out. He, he's like, he's totally calm and he can actually go to class if he knows he can have some time with you. Yeah. I was like, wow, how profound. So long story wow. short, shorting, coming to a, a soft landing. He turned out when the weather was warm, we could go outside. And he I got actually I got a baseball. And mm-hmm. and to, and then I got him a baseball glove. He had an arm like a rocket, and this wow. is a little kid. I couldn't yeah. believe it. And I was like, I I went to the principal. I said, this kid's got talent. We mm-hmm. need to try to. Is there any way we can get him in a little league or something where? Because he loves it. He he just yeah. lives to throw that ball. And he's he's. I said, I've seen. I know talent when I see it. Not that I have it, but I could yeah. recognize it. He goes, yeah. And so we got the we got the. A community resource group involved got him in a mm-hmm. league the school was able to find resources to buy him a uniform and pay his fee because oh, he, wow. he was in one of those tough homes yeah and um i don't know whatever happened I, w- I would love to go back and see i mean if anybody had talent to go shoot at least starting high school level and maybe beyond that yeah seriously that kid did but yeah it was just that kind of thing but i i was able to work so outside of the box you know yeah. that was such a one and one in a thousand kind of situation, but that's what those certain kids really need is they just yeah. need somebody to go in there and see what makes them tick and kind of yeah. feel back, you know, what's going on and give them dignity, give them respect. You know, that was the yeah. biggest thing is nobody, they were always shut up, be quiet. Oh, you know? totally. and it's like, that's not what they need. I know, but I've noticed yeah. the same thing. I've noticed that very same thing um, where these teachers, I mean, they, I have so much respect for, for, uh, oh, yeah. for elementary, junior high, high school teachers. I mean, I was All so spoiled teaching college and seminary oh, for, yeah. for years. Uh, I have a lot of respect for them, but there's most of the teachers at this school have control over their rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do it in a real, um, kind of like tough love. I, yeah. I just have a lot of respect for them. I mean, they, this one woman, Miss Pryor, she she talks to her kids like she calls them loves. She calls them love or babe. But yeah. she has that room under her thumb. But yeah. she's so sweet about it. Like it's just very yeah. interesting. But there was this other woman. Uh, all right, yeah, and there's one of the guys. I'm like, wow, they're just really demeaning, you know, and they're they're mm-hmm. angry and they're cynical. Um, and I've just, I've noticed that some of those kids, 
um, they kind of face that oppositional uh, dynamic all the time. And so they, they are in that posture. I mean, going back to everything that we've talked about with regard to narratives and everything like that. And the character, yeah. you take on a character that you're supplied or given and you adapt to it. Cause that's how you, you imagine that you are. And that's the story that you're in. And so like these kids, they come into yeah. the room, like with an oppositional posture already. And yeah. I've noticed that very same thing where I will sort of like with a third grader, you know, I'll kneel down and I'll, you know, look at kid like eye level and, um, you know, ask them like, do you, you know, like this girl, Denver, holy crap, man. The first day I was there, she, <laughs> they told, told me later, she's got oppositional defiant disorder. I mean, holy yeah. shit. She's got it in spades. It's also um, be translated pissed at the world. Oh, totally. I mean, <laughs> but what I noticed is that like the second time, she, oh, no, the first time she was in music, um, I got down on my one knee and I, <clears throat> I'm looking at her like at eye level and I just start asking her questions. Like, do you play a musical instrument or like what, it, you know, I, I, she had these really cool glasses. I said, I like your glasses and uh, started asking her about like what musical instrument she plays or like what she would like to do that day. Or like, you know, we're doing this today and you have two options. Like, would you like to do this or this? And like her face changed and her posture yeah. kind of changed. And she sort of like opened up a little bit and started like, talking to me. Yeah, and there was like all these other fifth grade boys um, that I, you know, start asking questions to, or sort of like open up a little yeah. bit, or demonstrate that you're human, and they they just change, and they kind of just like right. melt a little bit, and they're like, yeah, they're um, like you said, treat them with the dignity that they have as humans, and they they relax into that a little bit because that's that's a different. That's an alternative narrative that you're offering and they can step into it and they, and they can actually yeah. like step up to it, which is so, yeah. I think it's a beautiful thing to see. And it doesn't really take that much more effort, you know, to kind of doesn't, approach no, someone like that. It doesn't take much effort at all. Just a genuine interest in them. See, mm -hmm. that's the thing, you know, we, I actually got my certification um, in special ed, uh, went to Wright State. I think you probably remember. Yeah. I did a yep. bunch of. It was an online degree, but I I got certified. And um, one of the things that was most interesting to me was the, the students who are used to what they call indirect speech versus direct speech. Hmm. And what you were doing was what they call indirect speech. You're drawing them out. You're you're, but in this in the process, you're showing them that you're interested in what they're thinking. You're asking them a question, taking them serious and saying, I'm interested in you, not do this. Don't do that. Yeah. That's direct speech. It's just directive. And they don't they feel like they don't have a say. They don't feel like they're worth anything because yeah, taken seriously. Way, and, and, you know, you and I come from homes where there's a lot more indirect speech. Hey, what'd you do at school today? Uh, rather than just go to your room and watch play your video game you know yeah. and it's like well nobody cares teachers don't care parents don't care mm -hmm. and it's really yeah again tragic but yeah that's what you're doing you're drawing them you're taking them seriously and showing them that you're you're genuinely interested in them as a human being and man they get it they get it in two seconds yeah you know? yeah um, i always thought that was fascinating shrewd yeah, yeah, it's just a very interesting dynamic. It's a whole new uh I'm I'm trying to um you know, make this this whole project a little less dreadful. Uh yeah. so, you know, kind of making it for myself a little bit of an educational project of discovery. Uh um, yeah. you know, and see what I can learn and and see, you know, I mean, 
everything that I've sort of learned theoretically about systems and all of that, I've seen in different um, settings. And now um, it's just interesting to see it like in a, in a, I mean, a very significant part of our culture, which is public education. It's just interesting to see it there and see how all of those dynamics show up. And I've noticed when I create that kind of environment, you know, and I know you're good at this, but it's like you're, you're in, you have the platform in the room and you can be, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, I feel like I'm getting there, how to be, um, in control of the room, but making it an environment where I'm inviting others into their best selves. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And creating like an atmosphere of like discovery and delight and joy, um, because I think I would I would naturally assume that lightening things up and having fun with it is going to create chaos, or then you don't have control. But I'm 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 finding out no. you can have control, but make it a um, you know an environment um, that's inviting, welcoming, affirming to these kids and brings out their best. But man, it, yeah. it is taxing. It's taxing. It takes some skill, bro. It, yeah, it does. It really does. You got yeah. I I don't know what else. I could talk about it all day long. I we will. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, totally. Well, the funny yeah. thing is, is like I got. I feel. Um, the the thing is about my. I don't know if you ever had this in your PhD program, but in my yeah, in mine, there was no. I never had a class on pedagogy, ever. No. I no. think there was when I started. Um, when I began my PhD program, I was. Uh, going to be a, a teaching assistant. And um, I think we had to do like one or two orientations where they kind of talked about a few things. And I don't remember anything from that. Yeah. But when I started, when I started teaching college, I remember um, some of my older colleagues, uh, a couple of whom had read quite a bit or studied quite a bit on educational theory and practice and like everything that they would say like in a conversation or hey try this or try this was like the most illuminating thing i ever heard about teaching yeah do you know what i mean like whoa i never knew that right like even you even you mentioning right now direct speech versus indirect speech you yeah. know with with elementary education like well i i had no idea yeah, yeah that makes a whole lot of sense yeah. or like when when a teacher uh now well, anyway, everything that people would say off the cuff, colleagues would say, just sort of drop in conversation was like, holy crap, I'm going to try that. Like, this is, that's brilliant. I'm going to do that. Or like something in a syllabus and all of that. Um, and I'm finding now as well with elementary education where I have just zero experience. Um, everything that I hear a teacher say or a suggestion that they make, I'm like, God, that is perfect. Like, yes, that's, yeah. I'm going to try that. I don't know. Yeah. I think I might have to just do some searching online for like, you know, how to sub or how to how to be an elementary teacher or tips for I mean, especially if I'm gonna be in the well, I'll have some stories I'm sure next couple of weeks, but doing if I'm gonna be the substitute gym teacher for the next three weeks, um, <laughs> man, I'm gonna have to learn some things. It's gonna be nutso. <laughs> can't wait. I can't wait to see it unfold. <laughs> <laughs> like watching a train wreck yeah. yeah it'll be it'll be wild but um anyway yeah, I, I just think it's so yeah. interesting that there are like experts who have just nailed all this stuff and have thought yeah. long and hard about it 
it's interesting to see that expertise and appreciate it because man i sure do yeah. yeah there's a lot to it yeah yeah i was thinking about going through some kind of a certification thing um because they do yeah i told you miss ivory and uh, mr thaxton and miss burton have talked to me about you know long term doing something long term yeah. at that school and um yeah, we'll see because certainly nothing yeah. else is turning up in my professional life these days. <laughs> ah, Whatever. Anyway, I, I uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about a couple other topics, but this has gone on quite long. Maybe we just cut it, cut it here. I didn't mean to go down those roads, but I think that that, I think that that's fascinating stuff. I mean, you did not intend or ever plan on being in like a public school environment. This is not anything I ever thought of until you suggested it like two and a half, three months yeah. ago. Um, yeah. But man, it has been, it's been eye-opening. Um, it's been educational. There are all kinds of social dynamics going on in that environment, which, which fascinate me. And I just feel like a wide-eyed student. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good. I mean, it'll make you grow. I, I grew a lot in those eight years that mm -hmm. I, I did public school for eight years, I subbed for one year, but I mean, it, it's a real grind and it, I, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot mm -hmm. about the educational process. Like I ended up taking courses and like I said, getting a degree in teaching and there's a ton of pedagogy that we never got. Yep. In a PhD program, it's it's all specialization stuff. It's like teaching. What's that? Well, just yeah. do and monkey yeah. see, monkey do. But there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of strategies and a lot of people have you know thought long and hard about. What's, yeah, yeah. I, I learned I learned a ton. It actually helped me learn about myself. Learning. About oh, totally. Like different learning styles, <laughs> like kinesthetic, visual, you know, auditory. Mm -hmm. I mean. There, there's a lot to it. And I was like, whoa, I, mm -hmm. even, I, I thought one of the, one of the greatest classes I had was on Ebonics. They mm. called it that back then. Yeah. And it, it but, and I, I was just, at first I was like, huh, what, Ebonics, you know, what, what is this? I mean, I, I, I kind of like poo pooed it in my mind, but then it was, it turned out to be fascinating uh, yeah, how doubt. like within black English in North America, there's all these subtleties mm -hmm. of the way of what one, like, uh, like uh, one I remember was that house cold. Yeah. That house be cold. There's two different total meanings mm -hmm. and, and how it's said in typical black parlance that when it's being used and I'm like, man, and it was very interesting how, mm you know, one phrase would mean one thing and another phrase would mean something else. I would never in a million years have put that together as a yeah. white guy. Oh, totally. You know, so, That's really anyhow, interesting. There's a lot to learn, man. It, it, oh it yeah. Was a, it, it, it was, it, it was a hard time. Yeah. And it pushed me, <laughs> but, it, but remember I was running a lawn care business and, I know. and pastoring I a church. I'm not time. seriously, man. I thought a lot about that this last <laughs> month. I'm like, how the hell did you do it? I've, I've uh, like I told you, I have so much more respect for you enduring that environment than for being a Navy SEAL. Like completely, it's like, well, the SEAL, I just, the SEAL training is the only thing that prepared me to get through it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I was thinking the other day yeah. about like 
I remember certain mornings when we were training for that marathon years and years and years and years ago. Yeah. There are certain mornings I wake up with like a sense of dread or there's like a, there have been some physical jobs I've had that I'm like, Oh God. Yeah. I've not ever felt how I feel. Like I have to calm myself down in the mornings when I get up and I'm like, I am going to bed at eight 30. Yeah. I'm like, I cannot yeah. mess around with this situation. Cause it is, yeah. it's hard. Yeah. It's really funny. I, uh, this, this one, uh, woman, when the kindergartners come into the music room, their, their teaching assistant comes in with them. Mm-hmm. And this woman, Miss Johnson, she, uh, um, we were doing something. I can't remember. Um, they had watched, I, I think that we, we watched a video of the Nutcracker and then they were going to get up. I was going to play Nutcracker music and they were going to do some like little dancing, whatever movement. They could either march or twirl, whatever. And yeah. so I, that was the, the lesson I was given. And I'm like, I'm doing it. Uh, yeah. And then she kind of walked slowly around the room and, and over to me and she goes, she goes, have them stay on their numbers. Cause they were, it was chaos. And I oh. was like, I was like, all right, you know, all right, kindergartners, stand on your numbers when you're doing this. And, uh, oh. and <laughs> I was like, that was perfect, of course. And she came yeah. over to me after the class. She goes, hey, I didn't mean to undermine your authority. I was like, Miss Johnson, this is my third day ever doing this. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I am all kinds of humble right now. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. These, these are the people that know here. what they're doing. And I am like, no doubt. These are yeah. all people that know way more than I do. And I'm not there to pass judgment. I'm there to just like eat humble yeah. pie and listen to everything that they say. So anyway, I'm definitely a lot to learn, learning and growing. Um, but yeah, but, but if something else comes up, I might, can't uh, wait. I might jump at it. <laughs> yeah. Right. When actual job comes up, I'd be like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I'll see you later. Change yeah. the elementary yeah <laughs> anyway well dude i'll see you tomorrow man yeah looking forward to it yeah lunchtime or whatever uh yeah becky sent me an updated schedule so wherever we're going luigi's yeah just text me where y'all are headed that way i'll know all right sounds good if we get a chance to watch there. some football this weekend i would love it well i have Can't no wait. idea what's going on with my weekend yet, yeah but whatever we'll figure it I'll out i'll be watching it Cool, bro. Thanks, man. See ya.